morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Let's Praise the Lord. Hey, just as they're giving, or as you're giving, they're, they're passing the bucket. We've got some Easter invite cards that are out there. Grab some. Take some to your friends and family members. We've been praying for those individuals that you're going to invite. And so I just challenge you to have an expectation that when you invite somebody to come to church, that you're going to see them on Easter Sunday. And the thing that we've also been praying about is that not only would they just come for an Easter service, but they would come to have a divine appointment with God, and therefore they would get stuck here at GVC. You know what I mean? Where when they come, it's like, man, something's different. My life has changed. I was transformed that morning that I came, and they want to come back. Amen. And so I'm expecting to see. In fact, one of the things that has just been rolling off of our tongues is that it's the year of double. Praise God. So Praise the Lord. Good things are happening. Amen. Well, are you ready to jump into this tonight? Forgive me for being up here on the platform tonight. Uh, you know, I, I would, since we've got a smaller crowd, I'd rather be in front of you. But uh, Jordan said to me that there was no lights, and he said, so you, we need to see you. So that's why I'm up here. So next week, just bring your flashlights, and I'll get down here, and we'll <laughs> be with you. <laughs> All right, so last week, we started a new uh, topic, if you will, talking about our identity in Christ, finding out who we are, what God has called us to be and made us to be through Christ Jesus. And so I said to you, I said, come back next week, do some homework and find out what the Word of God says about you, who you are in Christ. So did anybody do any homework and come back with some identification of who you are? Did you bring some ID tonight? Yeah, did you? You're adopted. Amen. What about you? Full of the same power, the, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside. I see another hand. Yes. You're a servant. Amen. Who else? I see another hand. Yes. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And you? You just waving at me? You, you fake me out every single time. Okay, Dad. And then I call on you and you leave me hanging. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else got anything? Yes, Maggie. Being right with God, exactly. Amen. So we're righteous, we're right with God, we have a relationship with Him, so all good answers. Praise the Lord. So uh, when you begin to find out who you are in Christ, that begins to change everything. I mean, when you begin to identify and realize who you are, it will cause you to, to well, again, it, when you find out who you are in Christ, you can't help but be generous, just like we were talking about. It's like, praise the Lord. Now, when I talk about generosity or being generous, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything in your life. Amen. Why? Because we've got something to give. So we're going to jump into this tonight and this topic of our identity in Christ is really the, the subject matter that Paul 
was greatly known for. In other words, it was Paul's revelation that we see in the epistles or really in the New Testament, if you will. You realize that the four Gospels, the four Gospels are actually in the New Testament part of our Bibles, but do you realize that the New, or excuse me, the, the, the Gospels were actually Old Testament because it wasn't until Jesus was raised from the dead that the New Testament or the new church started, right? So really the epistles are starting over in Romans and Acts and all through the epistles. That's when we begin to see this revelation that Paul had concerning who we are in Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we looked at this last week. But the King James says it this way. It says, if you or if... Uh, if anyone be in Christ, then you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So notice the Bible says that if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. So that means that anybody or anybody has this ability to be a new creation. Amen? So it's available to anybody and everybody that has the desire. So here's what we're going to begin to look at. What happened to us when we made Jesus the Lord of our life? What happened to you and me? And so when we receive Christ into our life, not only were we we saved, but we begin to see something very significant. And the number one thing that we see in the epistles or the New Testament is that we are in Christ. Or we were in Christed, if you will. All right? So not only are we saved, not only are we born again, are we Christians, but we are in Christ. And just as we said, the Bible says that all who are, or or, uh, uh, all that would receive Christ, they would become new creations. So therefore, it's available to every individual. There's nobody that is isolated or at a disadvantage. And how many of you know that it doesn't just belong to us Americans? I mean, it's around the world. It belongs to anybody. It belongs to somebody over in Russia. It belongs to somebody in China, in Africa, in South America. If you're in Christ, all who are in Christ are new creations. And there is no advantage to one person or the other. So in other words... This ability to be this new creation in Christ, there is no advantage to you or to somebody else or for me for that matter. We're all in the same playing field or have the same opportunities to become this new creation in Christ. Amen. It's available to every single individual. But once again, not only are we just or we're not just forgiven sinners, That Bible says, or the Bible says, that we are new creations, or that new creation means a new kind. So when you receive Christ, you became a new kind of something. You didn't just become a new person, because you're the old person that you always was, right? I mean, when you receive Christ, you look the same. You smelt the same, right? You're not a new person You're a new kind of person. That's who God made you when you receive Christ. You're a new kind of person. All right? So what took place when we received Christ? Again, God came uh, in the form of a man. He sent Jesus to pay the price for us. Right? 
the penalty of sin. But once again, he created Adam to be that first man. But now, when you think about Adam, Adam was not just an experiment that went wrong, right? Again, when you, you see, see what Adam went through, or Adam and Eve, they sinned, they fell, but they weren't just an experiment that went wrong. They were the prototype. They were the type or the example that God wanted all of us to experience or this life. And so when it came to Adam and Eve, when they were first created, how do you think that their interaction with God was? Do you think that there was any inferior, inferiority or any guilt or any shame? No, there wasn't. Do you think that they were sick, that they were poor, that they were defeated, that they were full of grief? No, they were perfect. They were whole in the very presence of God. And so man fell, but the Bible tells us that God sent Jesus to pay the price and the penalty for man's sin so that he could restore man back to his original state. Do you remember the Bible tells us that there was Adam? He was the first Adam. But when Jesus came, it didn't call Jesus the second Adam. It called Jesus the last Adam. So I think we've talked about these things before. You see, when, when Jesus came, he wasn't coming just to fix things. He was coming to restore things back to their rightful place, back to the way that God had originally made man in the very beginning. Amen? And so when we begin to see this, he made it possible once again for us not to just be a new person, but a new kind of person. What was that new kind of person or what was that person to be like? It was to be like the original Adam or we could say what Jesus came to do or how he lived and what God made him to be was exactly how he wants you and I to be or to dwell and live on this earth. Amen? So with that being said, I want to go back for just a moment. I want to go back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I Shared it with you from the King James Version, but I want to read it from the Amplified. And it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away, and behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So, one thing that we see is that God, through Christ, set it to our credit as though that was you and I that went to the cross. But then as we see here, it says that concerning this new creation being born through the, through the Spirit of God, it says that there was the old thing that was passed away, and it says it was the previous moral and spiritual condition. The old moral and spiritual condition. So immediately we say, well, you know what? When we become a Christian, then what changes in our life is that we stop being sinners we stop doing the old sinful life, right? But notice that if we don't understand or recognize who we have become in Christ, 
We'll revert to the old way of life from the standpoint of thinking that I've got to do something to achieve what God provided for me through Christ. In other words, I've got to get right with God. I've got to do my, you know, rose, what do you call them? Uh, rosary beads, yeah. Got to do my rosary beads. I got to do something to make sure I got, I got to repent. I've got to confess. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I keep going back to this old way of living, trying to achieve or trying to make sure that I'm in right standing with God. But the moment that I begin to identify or understand who I am in Christ, I realize that it's no longer the old condition that I'm living in. There is a new condition because I'm a new kind of individual. And it says that this new life or the old life, the previous moral or the spiritual condition was done away with. So here's the thing in regards to that spiritual condition, if you will. You realize that the physical man is not what determines our spiritual place with God. You see, because we live in this natural world, oftentimes we so are inclined to allow ourselves to be moved by and think by this natural man. But it wasn't this natural man that caused me to live a life of sin or have an existence that meant that I was going to eventually go to hell one day. It was the spirit man, right? Does that make sense? It was the condition of the spirit man or my spiritual condition that caused me to be separated from God and ultimately going to hell. And therefore, that tells me or that means that if I get this spiritual man addressed or there's a new spiritual man on the inside, that would have a direct correlation to my natural man, right? So once again, it's not the reverse saying, well, you know what, if I would just get my act cleaned up, if I would just stop doing this or doing this, I would be able to be in right standing with God. So in other words, what you're saying is that if I get the physical man square, my spiritual condition will change. But that's not so. It's actually the condition of the spiritual man that causes you to live a life of sin. But once you receive Christ, the spiritual condition changes and therefore that now gives you the power to change the natural condition of your physical man. Does that make sense? Because it's the spiritual condition of the man that sets the course for your entire being. And then it goes on to say here that there is this new thing that has come by a spiritual or because spiritual awakening brings new life. So once again, there has to be a spiritual awakening or an understanding of who you've become. Because if you don't understand who you've become, you will continue to try to do or please God in your own natural man. Once again, I've heard it so many times before. People saying, you know, when I get my life straight, when I get things worked out, I'll come back to church. Well, once again, you're saying once I get the physical things, I can get the spiritual things taken care of. But God says that's not how it works. It's always the spiritual element of your life that determines the physical. Amen? Are you tracking with me tonight? All right, so in regards to that, he has made us a brand new kind of individual. Who is this new kind? This, 
this new kind has been renewed or made new just like Jesus. But now here's the interesting thing about it, is that now, once Pentecost came, not only was there a new man, but at Pentecost, God filled man with that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. So once you are born of God, but then filled with the Spirit of God, the Bible says that you are filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and it dwells on the inside of you. Amen. And this revelation that we have in the epistles that the Apostle Paul is talking about, of who you are in Christ, you realize that all the epistles that he wrote was to the spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. Therefore, that's why this revelation of who we are can become a reality to our life. Amen. I I hear people all the time say, well, I I can't wait until I get to that one day when my faith is strong enough. One of these days, I'll get to that place where I can receive my healing. I'll get to that one day where I can trust God in that area of my life. The reality is, is that you are right where you are because that's where you want to be. Well, what do you mean? You mean I'm struggling with something, things in my life because I want to be? Absolutely. And I know that's a strong statement, but the reality is, is that the revelation of who you are in Christ is right here. And so you could get yourself lost in the Word of God finding out who you are. And the more you find out who you are, the more you lose who you are. And you begin to find out who you've become. Well, one day I'll get healed in my body. You realize that healing is not a promise of God. It's a reality of God. It's a reality of who you are in Christ. Well, God, I'm just praying, heal my body, heal my body, heal my body. No, the reality is is that in Christ you are already healed. Well, how come I don't see it then? Because it's not become a reality to you yet. I know that's strong, isn't it? But the Word of God tells you who you are. And it's at your fingertips for you to discover it. If I sat down and I talked with you and you're saying, you know what, I'm believing God for a certain area of this in my life. And if I asked you the question, well, how much time are you spending in the Word of God finding out about that or building your faith in that area? Well, not much. Well, if you're not building your faith in that area or not much, not much is what you're going to get. And you can keep hoping and wishing one day you're going to see the results you desire, but really it's just hoping and wishing because, again, the revelation of who you are is right here. And all you have to do is open up the pages and begin to say, God, reveal to me what it is that I am and who that I am and what belongs to me. And as I begin to give myself to it, he begins to unfold the scriptures to us and it becomes a reality to where I can exercise my faith. You doing okay? I know that's some strong preaching, but it's true. And that statement is not just for you. I know it's real easy for me to stand up here and say, yeah, talking to you, but it applies to me. I can say all day long, I want to see something in my life or I'm looking to see this. But if I'm not investing myself in stirring up my faith, 
then all it is is just wishful thinking. Right? All right, look at what it says here in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 20. Once again, this is the Apostle Paul ministering here. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not yet, or yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So once again, notice what Paul said. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Do you know Paul was not there at the cross? He wasn't crucified on the cross with Jesus. He tells us that there was two other individuals, one on his left, one on his right, right? But Paul says, now, here's my identification. I was crucified with Christ. So, our identity in Christ was crucified with him. So, the old man, the old nature was crucified to the tree. And he says, now, it's no longer that I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So, think about it. Crucified people are dead. I'll say that again. I said, crucified people are dead. And death brings some things to an end, doesn't it? It changes. Something's changed. I said, death brings some things to an end. Well, what was it that was crucified or put to death? The old man. The old sinful man. So let me ask you the question. What do you struggle with in the flesh of your man? What hinders you, struggles do you carry? If that's a struggle in the flesh, the Bible says that that was nailed to the cross. And therefore, whatever you struggle with can be brought to an end because it was nailed to the cross. And therefore, the new man has the ability to walk in newness of life because I am not identifying with the pull of the flesh that was nailed to the cross. I'm identifying with the new kind of man that I now am. And that is that I'm a free individual. I've been set free because of what Christ came to do. He's the triumphant Christ that lives on the inside of me. Amen? Now, what does it mean to be triumphant? Triumphant doesn't mean to win. Triumphant means to celebrate. So that means that there's already a celebration of the victory that has already taken place. Not that you're going through and triumphing. You are already triumphant. Therefore, I have the ability to celebrate that I'm no longer bound by the things of my flesh or my natural man. Because I'm a new kind of individual. Amen? So that's my identity. Praise God. Now think about it. Again, we're talking about this identity that we have in Christ. Now, if you were to go, let's say to Canada, I don't know how the rules are nowadays, but let's just say, for instance, how it used to be. Uh, used to be you could go to Canada and just show them 
your driver's license, right? Then I think they took it where you had to show a birth certificate. And then now you got to show a passport, right? Or I don't know exactly all the details. But whether it's your license, whether it's your birth certificate, or it's your passport, all of those things are forms of identification, right? And so therefore, those pieces of identification are exactly who I am. If I show you my license, that's me. If I show you my birth certificate, that's me. If I show you my passport, that's me. When I look at the Word of God in Christ, that's me. Amen? It's who I identify with. And your identification will either set boundaries for you or it will cause you to have access granted because of your identification. Amen. I remember, it's good that my parents aren't here tonight because they always hate when I tell these stories. For whatever reason, it seems to embarrass them. I'm thinking, well, you know, I wasn't a perfect kid, you know, and everybody's done it, so, you know, just chill out. But there was a time, you know, back in my teenage years when, you know, I was just running with a crowd. And uh, somehow I acquired an identification. <laughs> and it was me. Now, I had an ID. And the ID identification set a boundary that says you can't go there or you can't do that or you can't purchase that. Right? But now my flesh man, my carnal man, my natural man says, I want to do something. I want to have some fun. I want to. And so I acquired <laughs> some ID. And so I went up to the counter, gave him my ID, and gave him my purchase items, you know. You, 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 all, you all connect the dots there, you know. I got my kids here, so I'm trying to be kind of cool. <laughs> so you get the point. You know, I'm going to the counter. And so the guy looks at the ID, starts to ring it up, and I'm like, sweet. And once you know it, a cop walks in right at that moment. I'm like, ugh. Now, the guy was real cool to begin with, and he was helping me out. But the moment he saw the cop, he goes, hey, sir, take a look at this. I'm like, you dummy. <laughs> What'd you have to do that for? And so the cop, he asked me, he says, what's your name? I said, well, it's so-and-so, and blah, 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 and I give it, rattle off the information. He says, this isn't you. I'm like, well, that's my ID. He goes, son, this isn't you. And so he <laughs> scared, scared me, you know. So I gave him all my information, and, you know, I got home, and parents were waiting up for me. Like, well, I got in a lot of trouble that night. But anyways, <laughs> my point is, is that my identification, in one sense, set a boundary that says, listen, we're not going to allow you to acquire this to appease the flesh. But then there was another aspect where there was an identification that says, well, you can appease the flesh all you want to. Amen? It is, is a matter of what? identification you want to go under or go by I believe the Lord gave me an example hopefully this will kind of help you because your identification in Christ is your ticket to freedom for everything that he has provided for you 
But there is a pull from the natural carnal man that will pull you back into the life of living underneath the old way of living. Does that make sense? I heard this from Sandy. She said this. We were in our leadership class. And what was it? Uh, FOMO? FOMO. FOMO. (laughs) FOMO is fear of missing out. Have you ever been like that? You know, it's like fear of missing out. It's like, man, my flesh wants to have fun or I feel like I'm missing out. And there's always this pull for the flesh. But you realize in God, in Christ, there is fullness and freedom and joy that the flesh can never achieve or acquire. But here's how the Lord shared it with me or the the example that he gave me. It was when I was taking my dog out to go potty. And, and, And the example was is... If you was to, like my old dog, my old dog was a big dog, and so I'd put him on a chain out in the the yard. And so putting him on the chain out in the yard would allow him to go do his business. You know what I mean? And so that chain kept him bound to a location, right? And here's how the Lord said it to me or showed me, that when we give place to the carnal man, Even though we're in Christ, we by choice put the collar around our neck that keeps us chained to a location. And therefore, I can only go as far as that chain will let me go, right? And have you ever noticed that a dog can get to the end of his chain, and when he gets to the end of his chain, you can go just beyond that part of where the chain will allow him to go, and he wants to get where you're at. Right? And if I wasn't chained down, I could go over into the promised land where I want to go because that's where it looks like it's fun over there. But I'm chained down. But did you ever notice that when you go just that little bit further of your dog, your dog will have the chain pulled by his neck. He'll stand up on the back legs and he'll be flapping and just jumping and trying to get over there. Does that picture make sense? Have you ever noticed how people go to church? And they're free in Christ, but they're chained to the flesh. And they'll come to church, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it looks real pretty, but they're chained to the natural man. Does that make sense? And freedom is just one step away, but because they allow their flesh or they live according to the flesh, they continually stay chained when freedom and true liberty in Christ is just inches away. Amen? Does that make sense? And they're praising God and they're, they're experiencing freedom in God. There's no doubt about it. But then here's the other side that I saw with my dog. You know, through the winter time, you know, you take your dog to go out potty and so you don't want to clean up all their landmines because it's cold outside. So then once it starts to thaw, well, you got a lot of landmines there. You know what I'm saying? And so one of the things that I've noticed about my dog is my dog does not like to go in the general location of where the last experience was. And so whenever I take my dog out, I notice my dog does this little dance. Woo, 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 woo. And he's dancing around the landmines. You know what I'm saying? Because he don't want to step where he's already gone. And so... When we're chained or we allow ourselves to be chained to the flesh because of our desires, 
We will say, you know what, I'm serving God, praising God, I'm free. And they're experiencing the freedom, and yet they'll be dancing around the landmines. But they're still chained. Because they keep giving to the flesh, giving to the flesh, giving to the flesh. And eventually, you can't avoid the landmines anymore. Because you've been chained to it for so long that it just starts piling up to the point where i got poop on me now. Right? Why? It's because I've been chained to my flesh and I've gotten back to the old moral state of living and it keeps me there and if I'm not careful, I can get sucked back into it to where I've got poop on me again. Didn't ever want to get back there again, but here I am. And God's saying, all the while, all you had to do is take the collar off and experience the true freedom that you have in Christ because that's who you are. Amen? Now, again, don't hear that as being hard. I'm just saying it is a pitfall that it's so easy to get caught into when we continue to give to the flesh, give to the flesh, give to the flesh, give to the flesh. You might say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about anything that your flesh has an appetite for. It can be TV. It can be food. It can be substance. It can be whatever. If you give place to the flesh long enough, you catch the landmine. Amen? All right, let's look at Ephesians chapter, four, uh, chapter 2. rather. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It says, but God, so rich... Is he in his mercy because of and in order to, uh, to satisfy the great and the wonderful and intense love with which he loves us? Even when we were dead, slain by our, by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened him for, uh, it is by grace, his favor and his mercy with which, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and have partake, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seat with, uh, seating with him in the heavenly sphere, virtue of our being in Christ Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One. So notice what it says. He says, he gave us the very, very life of Christ himself. This same new life that he raised Christ from the dead with is in you and me. So listen, not only did Jesus conquer hell, he conquered death. So not even death can defeat you. It's appointed to everyone to die, but you understand that in Christ, death no longer has a hold on you. For that matter, we ought not fear death. Why? Because I've got a home. I know where I'm going. I mean, to be honest with you, death would, would, would almost be welcome. Do you know what I'm talking about? To know the outcome of where we would be, not that I want to check out early, but I'm saying to go home to be with the Lord. Paul said, man, it's greater to be present with him, but for your sakes, I'll hang around. Man, I'm telling you, I can't wait to get there. 
My wife, she's been reading this book on, hell, on heaven. Oh, my goodness. It just makes you hungry for, for, for heaven. It just makes you hungry to know God even more because of the, the realities. Then in verse 6, once again, it says that he has raised us up together and made us to sit down together, joint seating with him. Where's our place? In Christ. It's right there with him. God sees you just like he sees Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It said, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Once again, let me say that again. In Christ, who God is made unto us. So in other words, because of Christ and in Christ, God has granted us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So therefore, it tells us that we have the wisdom of God. So there's revelation that we have available to us. And if we don't have it, it's simply because we're not asking. You realize you don't have to be a dummy. (laughs) We don't. We don't have to be dummies when it comes to this thing. So many times we feel like, man, I don't know nothing. You don't have to know, not know nothing. You got the wisdom of God on the inside of you. Then it goes on to say here, it says that he's given you righteousness or you're in right standing with God. It says that he's given you sanctification or in other words, he's made you holy. He set you apart from whatever controlled you. And then it says that he's given us redemption, meaning that he's purchased your freedom. And all of that is in Christ. And as I said already, the promises of God, or I should say that these are not promises of God. These are realities of God in Christ. You might say, well, I'm not experiencing all that right now. You realize that faith confessions creates a reality. What does that mean? Whatever you say, you'll have. God, I thank you for the wisdom of God that's coming alive on the inside of me. I thank you that, Lord, I'm walking in freedom and liberty. I thank you that I have redemption through you. I thank you that I've been sanctified and set apart, made holy. Therefore, nothing controls me. I'm not controlled by this flesh. There's no FOMO in me. (laughs) Right? Yo, FOMO. Almost sounds like you're saying something bad. (laughs) Right? I'm set free. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm prosperous. I'm going over. I'm anointed. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. And the more I begin to speak it, say it, confess it in faith, it becomes a reality to me. You say, is it just because I'm saying it? No, it's because you are agreeing with what God said about you, and it's becoming your reality. Amen. Try it on your kids sometime. If you've got little kids... Just start bragging on them about something. Something that you want to see them do. Start bragging on them. Man, you do that so good. Really? You think so? You know what it causes them to do? To do it more. Or to try to do it better. Why? Just simply because you said something positive about them. And they started to perform that which you said. The same thing is applicable when you release faith concerning who you are in Christ. 
The last thing that I'll share with you here is Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 9. It says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All right? Speaking of Jesus, it says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. Here's what the Amplified says concerning you. And you are in him and made full and have come to the fullness of life in Christ. In Christ, you too are full with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. So notice what it says. If Christ is in you, the fullness of the Godhead, of who God is, is in you. So listen, I can't get any more full of God than what's already in me. I mean, God cannot get any bigger in me than He is right now. Now, my revelation or understanding of who He is in me can grow, but I mean, I've got all of who God is in me because I've got Christ in me. Amen? Well, come on, man. If, if I realize that, what does that do to fear? <laughs> what do I got to be afraid of? Man, I've got everything that God is on, in the, on the inside of me. A bill shows up. Oh, dear God, how are we going to pay that? Well, I got the fullness of who God is on the inside of me. I got sickness trying to come against my body. Well, listen, I've got the fullness of who God is, the fullness of the life of God in me, so therefore sickness, disease, and death cannot stay in this body. It can't possess the same home that God lives in. Right? But now, if that's not a reality to you, you'll divert to the flesh man and Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, that pain's stronger today than it was yesterday. Oh, dear God, it seems like I'm getting worse. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you just said that you got the fullness of God in you. You do. But whatever is your re reality or your revelation, that's what you'll have. But when the reality or the revelation of how big God is in you becomes bigger than the reality of the sickness that's in your body, you'll find that the sickness has to bow to the knee of Jesus. Bow to the knee, bow the knee. You figure it out. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> Amen. So he's in you. This help anybody tonight? Amen. All right. That's a good place for us to stop. Maybe I gave you too much to chew on. I see some of your faces like, oh, I'm not quite so sure about that right there. You tell me. <laughs> just chew on a little bit. Dig into the scriptures yourself and you'll find out. All right. to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life